ASI, this is Season 4, Episode 33 of the podcast, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. I'm your host, Russ Shaw, and ASI247.org is my painfully outdated website. The difference between faith and religion, um, the tension between what's good, what's bad, who's evil, who's good, right, who's on what side, Um, what constitutes a healthy definition of love and relationships, looking for safe places and safe spaces, these are are things near and dear to my heart, They, they have been since starting this podcast 10 years ago. Through all my anger at the self-righteous religious people and in the hurt that I felt as these folks I thought spoke for God, um, there was that mustard seed of faith, you know, that tiny little amber that didn't quite go out. Uh, that's why I chose this bumper music, man. It's There's something going on. Because during this time of year especially... I know what it feels like to have this attitude towards people of faith, whether they be family members or not, or even towards God. without you. This is another one of those post-Mars Hill in transition of community kind of conversations, but it's also one of help and hope, um, of understanding, and I I pray that you listen with an open mind to Randall's story. It's funny how sexual compulsion and anger are such close relatives, I used to hate gay people. I'll say that, man. I'll admit that. I was a bigoted homophobe, you could say, at one point in my life. Truth be told, I was a sexual abuse survivor by someone of the same sex. And I hadn't dealt with that, right? I didn't even talk about it until I was 38 years old, years later, um... So all that pent-up anger and aggression that I wasn't dealing with, that was an easy scapegoat for it, you know. Be be mad at the gays, hate them. Sick, sad, I, 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 you know, I admit that with hurt now, looking back. Ironically enough, I heard a sermon by a conservative kind of prosperity gospel sort of pastor named Frank Pena. And he helped me forgive gay people. 
you know, and I knew some gay people. This is a point in my life, you know, I was off the drugs. I had gone through recovery and I was in business for myself, had a, a, a brand new baby daughter. And I'm like, you know, I had this, this anger in my heart and this distrust and just eh, pent up kind of evil towards a whole group of people. Um, and this man preached a sermon about forgiveness. I can't remember the words. I remember the spirit of it. And, and I, I forgave, <laughs> so I, that may sound weird to you, but I forgave gay people. And I knew people in the business I was in who were gay. And I just avoided them like they had some kind of plague or something. And, and the leprosy, right? The modern day leprosy. And I'm and, and so after this sermon, I'm, I'm talking with them and I'm finding out that you know, they like hamburgers and go to the movies and do the same things that, that my wife and I do, right? It was weird that it would be any different, I would think, but, you know, that, that, that thing took place in my heart. And since then, um, through my, my struggle with sexual integrity, um, being the fact that I was off of the, you know, I, I thought, well, look how great I am. I got off of methamphetamine and cocaine and I don't drink myself unconscious, you know. So it's like I kind of picked the right higher power, you know, I had that kind of pride. As the years went on uh, and the pornography uh, addiction kept getting worse and I couldn't pray it away. Right. I couldn't, you know, I went to a few, a counselor, I talked to a few pastors and it just kept getting worse to the point where I gave up. I just gave up and it got even worse. There was prostitutes. There was very risky sexual behavior on my part. Um, one of the darkest moments of my life is is having to confess to my wife what I did and sitting in a clinic in Marysville, Washington and, and having my wife have to take an AIDS test and a hepatitis test because of my actions. Um, part of coming back to my faith was being able to trust Christians and I couldn't trust them when they hated the gays, it was one of those things in me. Like I saw this angry kind of visceral reaction to the gay community. And I thought, man, where do you get a load of me? Right? Like homosexual behavior wasn't something I engaged in. It was something towards the end of my addiction. I was curious about, but the years of pornography use and seeing prostitutes and, not being private about it, quiet about it, right? Not being all, you know, oh, I don't want to talk about that. No, my freedom from that stuff was something I did want to talk about. And it's it's something that, you know, like if I'm going to be out of the closet, so to speak, like if people are going to know my damage, um, they're going to know who I am, right? My past who I am currently, the outcasts, right? The outsiders, the outlaws are not necessarily welcomed with open arms by the Christian community. And that was a real fear of mine. 
and the decline from this open, you know, Jesus-centered gospel in community. You could see it. You could feel it. It it attracted a lot of people. But over time, as it got more corporate, as it got more rigid, and it was some of the people in recovery that left first, right? And and as people continue to leave, there there comes that distrust welling up in me again. Because I'm the guy that's been telling people for years on this podcast, just, you know, find a, a church, you know, find one that's healthy, right? How do you do that? When Randall showed up on the scene, when I started having these conversations with Randall, because I've, I've met... Christians who were gay and, and you know there's always this kind of thing that I didn't understand like about their faith and I they just couldn't explain it and and this man could explain his love for Jesus his his love for God with a, a kind of different right a, a passion a, a depth to it that I thought wow that's real so the fact that this man would meet with me, that he would have coffee with me was was an honor and, and a blessing to my life, to be honest with you. We met at, uh, first we met at the Ballard Coffee Works downtown Ballard in Seattle, Washington, and uh, it was crowded and packed and the music was loud. So we went next door to the Cupcake Royale, which also has excellent coffee, by the way, right next door. <laughs> and we recorded this conversation um and and you know the audio is not great but the content is good rich and hopefully it, it it encourages more talks at coffee shops so i'll shut my blab and uh we'll get into it on the other side of this bumper um this season this christmas season can be so hard for people who feel outcast, who feel like the the one that, you know, Christians don't like, right? Uh, I get that. Some of the Christmas music, having to see family that may be religious, um, it's hard. And and since the the, the disintegration of, of Mars Hill Church, there's, there's still a lot of us out there who are just looking for a safe place, man. I heard this song by the band Everclear, and, and I gotta share it with this bumper. My talk with Randall will be on the other side of this bumper, but it, it so um, resonated with my heart. Chrisman, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you, sir. And uh, you and I have been friends sort of online. 
yeah. their last year or so. I have so. so many friends like that. I really, <laughs> really? do, yeah. And most people are like, yeah, he's a good friend. I like him. He's, well, I've never met him, but. <laughs> we, uh, I think we first got acquainted when you and I were talking and, and you said something about Mars Hill towards the end had a hard time with your uh, pre-existing condition. There we go, yeah. Kind of like an HMO. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty much the way it was. Bad health insurance. Right. Un- unpack that for me. What, what did what did you mean by that for, for the listeners who were listening? Well, you were there from the beginning, from just what about, I understand, yeah, right? Yeah, we had... Um, you know, like you and I knew each other online. It was sort of that way at Mars Hill. Um, right. They had an online presence pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, mid-rash. <laughs> In the early, what, late 90s? Uh, it was the late 90s, yeah. yeah. It was just about 2000. Um, and I was pretty well known there. And I had a gastric bypass surgery around late February. Wow. So, so I went what happened in, with that? How did that occur? I mean, uh, had the plans, weighed too much, needed to do something about it. So you know, being proactive, we got it together. The insurance wrote off on it, and everybody was great. So I was working at Microsoft at the time. Uh, we cleared the time; everything was great. So I went in and had the surgery, and I remember a lot of dreams. You dream very actively and very vividly when you're in a coma, right? How long were you in a coma? Six and a half weeks. Oh, man. Uh, And I woke up, and my dad was there, and I said, okay, so when do I get to go home? And my dad goes, um, and I'm moving around, or trying to, and I can't move from my waist down. Oh, wow. I said, this is temporary, right? And he goes, well, let me go talk to the doctor. Oh, wow. And my brother comes in, and I said, are we going home? And he goes, I don't think you realize just how sick you are right now. And that was a deep, oh, there's, there, I was unconscious for quite a bit of time, slipping in and out of hallucinations and stuff. But when the dust cleared, I found myself in a nursing home, paralyzed from the waist down, you would not believe how quickly they bring up the issue of money and how fast it goes. I had $17,000 in savings gone in under a month. Uh, They make you uh, have a spend down in order to get all of your bills paid for, your, your medical. And it just got to the point where friends stopped calling. Uh, people stopped coming by, uh, you, and your money's gone, your career is gone, things are just slipping out one after the other. Right. Um, well, you were attending Marshall at this time? Or? I was, I had attended off and on, I was kind of sniffing it out at the yeah. time. I had actually talked to Mark at one point before coming, and I said, is there room at the table for guys like me at Mars Hill? Right. Because I was really interested because the website and all the things on it caught my eye. What uh, do you mean by guys like you? Disabled? Gay. Older? Gay. This was before okay. right. the surgery. Okay. Right. Um, okay. And I asked him and, he's, and he told me a couple of stories. Um, I think the one that caught my attention the most was he had gone to... Um, oh, jeez. It was a famous 
D-bar close to the freeway. Yeah, he tells that story in the book Radical Reformation. He, oh, he does? Okay, yeah. and how he he bought everybody a drink and wrote it off as an evangelism expense. <laughs> right. And yeah. I went, okay, yeah. that guy, I could, I could listen to that guy. Right. Um, and he told me a couple of other stories, too. Um, but I thought, okay. And even at one point... Um, the uh, uh, what was it called then? The the something for marriage uh, conference was coming to Seattle, right? And he told them, I don't think we'll be attending because he just said, well, that that would be unloving towards uh, our gay community in Seattle, right? And I just thought, Ooh, what? <laughs> okay, yeah. that's amazing, uh, especially considering the people that the church was aimed for right and the young married so I thought that's that's incredible I was the defense of marriage I was going to a church up in Marysville called AC3 and they uh, it was a Willow Creek church and they said the same thing like you know we're gonna respectively decline <laughs> to that because it, I remember I know what you're talking about they met like in the Safeco field or something yeah, like that yeah yeah and there was like picket signs and it, this craziness it, it was insane so so Mars Hill, early Mars Hill, you you felt at home there, right? I mean, it was I did, I did. I was uh, when I was still in recovery, um, still disabled, real bad. Well, like I said to you before, uh, almost five years, and the number of weeks where I did not have a visitor, I could put on two hands with fingers left over. They were there, right? And. I really wanted for nothing. They made sure that I had a computer so I could keep communication uh, with the outside world. Um, and this wasn't in the closet, Randall. No, no. You were no. never that guy oh, at no, Marcel. Never. Yeah, I know. I know you kind of went back in and cleaned up a little in the closet, going, "Hmm, it's nicer <laughs> back here." But that was towards the end of the whole Mars Hill thing. Right, right. We'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Right. Um, so everybody just was everybody really loving and, and very cool. loving. Very people brought their community groups out. Um, they. Uh, <laughs> I had one visitor uh, who came out uh, routinely just to sit and visit and, oh yeah, fill up my Starbucks card, which when you're in a nursing home is, was life itself. <laughs> um, yeah, but people just came out to make sure I was okay and talked for a while. There were times I didn't feel like I was in prison, like right. you think you would, uh, and it was, it was pretty amazing for the longest time. It was a great time, and then things eventually began to turn. Right. Kind of as as Mark did, so did the rest of the congregation. It, it's amazing. I think it's because there was a brand at Mars Hill. They were aimed for a certain, you know, the young, either eligible male or just married young man. Uh, I think Mark called it uh, an influencer, you know, someone who could uh, make make the presence known socially. Right. And if you didn't fit that brand, well, you kind of drift away from the church because, you know, there was a very intense sorting of people. And one story I heard of, one gentleman told his community group leader that he was struggling with gay thoughts and was put on suspension from his position within Morris Hill. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> things have gotten really bad now. Right. We're getting punished for thoughts. 
Yeah, that was probably towards the, what, 2007, something, something went, you know, a little wry. Yeah. And more than, you know, more than this being a Mars Hill story, which it kind of is. I mean, people are interested in how this church grew so quickly in this, this place, and then fell so quickly as well. Yeah, you know, pretty sudden there. And it's, it's also a thing about community. Like, you and I talked Absolutely. a little bit about community. Absolutely. What is a safe place? Because I just want to, you know, can oh. I just be here? Can I be in a safe place? Is this, can we do community together? Yeah, yeah. You know? I think... I've been thinking about that in terms of finding a church again. And I thought, what... Where is a safe place for me to go? And then I realized, I don't really want church to be safe. Right. Because I, I want, you know, I want a challenging encounter. But I think it's more... I, I read a pastor who was saying at one point, um, I get a lot of phone calls to come speak. And the first question I ask is, are you asking me to help with a really rigorous anti-LGBTQ Right. Or are you interested in being more church? Because if you're interested in being more like the church, that's great. If you're interested in making sure the gays don't come through your door, I'll pass. Right. And I went, yeah, I'd go to his church. That that that's. I think people. It's been wound up. TV doesn't help. Yeah. But I think it's been wound up as such a terrible, awful, vicious sin that. People forget that the blood, the same blood that they're under, the same grace that they're under, the same mercy, the same redemption, is what the gays can have too. It's yeah. not. It's not. You don't have to clean up to come to God. Right. You don't have to. Yeah. It's a process. And people that understand that—that's the community I want to be in. Yeah. And that I, was that was my story too, Randall. So I yeah I yeah. struggled with. Porn addiction in the beginning, and then it became darker, you know, as as that went on. Absolutely, it's just kind of progressive. And I, because I kept it in the dark for so long, um, it got to the point where I pretty much abandoned my faith. Yeah. And I went to this church in Marysville, AC3, and I'm like, um, I couldn't afford a real counselor because <laughs> I didn't have the insurance, right? So I'm there going, hey, help me take care of this behavior because I don't like that I'm behaving this way. It, you know, is this, can we do this? And don't give me that religion shit because I'm done with all that. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to hear it, you know? And and that was, because in, in your story was a big part of my story because I would look at the news and the media and, and here's how here's how gay people are treated by the Christian evangelical American machine. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wait till you get a load of me, right? Yeah. Like I'm not because most most gay people that I knew in this community are, are pretty straight laced and, and straight edge, and had jobs and stuff. Yeah. I had a hard time conjuring my ass out of bed in the morning, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Much less being so. So yeah, that was another judgmental part of, of me seeing the church is, you know, I heard that they were doing some work in the area of recovery in that area, that men's groups and whatever. Yeah. So I'm there going, you know, help me out with the behavior. Well, I don't trust you fuckers, right? But that's this is where I'm at. So so yeah, that's that's great that you kind of found that same thing at Marcel in the beginning and are struggling because I feel that too, man. I feel I'm struggling. You know, in this transition of community, yeah, 
to have that too. Like we, oh, we accept you, but you know, there's that thing, right? You're the Christian with the asterisk, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I get that a lot of times too, and that. Uh, I just now is a bad time for a lot of gay people because it's like oh geez yeah. it's like either I can't go home or I've been thrown out of home or worse I've been invited home right <laughs> and I don't think that people would be so hard and so cruel if they oh the number of young people I have seen, heard of, have friends who have thrown their kids out of the house for the mom, dad, I'm gay speech. Right, right. Especially in the South. Oh, in the South. Northwest. Pacific Northwest. Really? Yeah. I know several. Wow. And th I thank God that there is a shelter that they can go to. I yeah. really do. Cause it's, it's, and I have ridden with people who have taken them there. But we have the same problem that's nationwide. Is forty around forty percent of our homeless are young, or and they're LGBT. young LGBT. Yeah, yeah. and they um, we've we've got a lot of the same problems. And sometimes the holidays are so bad. But I, I keep thinking, you know, and it's like, well, I, I, it's it's all a choice, you know. And and the people are so hard. And I'm like, you've got to understand, to be a Christian and to be gay is basically you never have the the closeness of having your own family you never get that you are looked at funny if you develop a close relationship with another male right you kind of live under that christian with an asterisk umbrella yeah it's like yeah i don't think i want you alone with the kids is that okay we'll, we'll get you a, a like an assistant oh man you know yeah you're looked at like like this saved but still damaged thing and it's a very lonely existence right well you can't hang with your old friends anymore because they'll be a bad influence on you right um we can't have you serve in the church because you're sexually active and i'm like how do you know that well don't ex and it's like you know well, well you're you're you got a camera yeah you got a camera well you're gay and it's like so that means uh, right. yeah Wow, you know, and you get all this insinuation and all this crap piled upon you. And the um, holidays, I mean, that's part of why I wanted to do this during the holidays. Yeah. Honestly, it's kind of been a, a conversation I've, I've put off for a long time. Because it's, and part of it is being, you know, I hate to use this word, but as friends told me, I kind of am. So I'm sort of a leader in this area. <laughs> like, I don't like that. But it's people listen to the podcast and, and people look up to me as someone who who has some answers in this area uh -huh. of, of sexuality and, and the church or whatever, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the holidays, you know, getting emails from folks who, I mean, like you were saying, the family stuff, the Christmas music. Like, oh. one of the things is that, <laughs> I mean, we, we hear gospel music all day and, and some of it's good, but some of it can stir really heavy, hurtful emotions mm -hmm. in those in the LGBT community especially. Because, you know, here's... You watch the news and the media and you hear people like the Westboro Baptists or whatever, and then you hear Christmas music and it just triggers a kind of almost trauma. Yeah, right? it's, a, it's, a, yeah it's an efflex reaction. I once had a friend tell me, well, now, with all your gay friends, are, are you sure you're telling them that 
uh, that their lifestyle is bringing them to hell? And I said, uh, is there something the Westboro Baptist missed? Because <laughs> right. most gay people kind of understand that. Um, yeah, it does bring it does bring trauma too. Um, I'm sort of fascinated with this idea lately that we need to start working on eliminating two words out of this whole conversation: choice and tolerance. Right. Jesus tolerates you and has a wonderful plan for your life. No, no, no. That's right. tolerance. tolerance. Oh, yeah. gotta grab a hold of that. Is that because that those those words are devoid of relationship and love? Absolutely. Because Absolutely. If, if Jesus tolerates me, you know, <laughs> Yippee. he's sort of like a cop or something, right? Yeah. And it's like, like we're not locking you up yet, but, you know. <laughs> what about the word hospitality? Right. What if instead of trying to, to negotiate all this stuff and all these hard feelings, what if we just said, hey, I'm free this weekend. You want to go out for a bite? Right. I just, just, you're interesting and I want to talk to you. Yeah. Or... I want to know your story. I want yeah. to know you as a person. Yeah, I want to know what's what's so your story. People, Who are you? During that time, so you and I kind of crossed paths, our, our, our paths crossed in the summer when the, when the Supreme Court decision came down. <laughs> and yeah. there was just, I mean, we were both kind of on the, just, you even get it. Like, do you, you call the name of Jesus, you're just mean and full of malice and spiteful. You, yeah. you don't even understand. If we turned, so here's one of my, early in the, early in the podcast, I started okay. saying this. Um, if we're going to ask gay people to leave the church or we're going to make them feel shameful, then why don't we go after the divorced people? Because Jesus yeah. doesn't say a word about homosexuality, but he has a lot to say about divorce. So, you know, it's like, yeah, so you've got, you got married to another yeah. woman, you know, and, it, and that's okay. Because your, somehow, your interpretation says it's okay, but th what is that? Like, that, that was one of those conversations yeah. that I would try and have. So why, do you, why is this group of people bad and this group of people isn't? Why are these people accepted even though they're remarried or whatever it is in their own way of interpreting the scripture, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it, it was just, it was not, um, it didn't make sense to me. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't something that fit. It and still it isn't. Still it yeah. still isn't. Make it worse, um, we have three... Uh, there was a group called Ex-Gay Watch, still out there, and there are three, uh, just, just a label. a Christian group? It's a Christian group, yeah, wow. and uh, pretty good. Because, a Christian with quotes. Uh, yeah, with, no, with exclamation point, <laughs> let me tell you. And there's three different labels that they use, not because we have to label everything, but just to make the conversations easier. There's side A. A side A Christian believes that it is not a sin to be gay and that it is perfectly acceptable to have a sexual relationship in a monogamous, committed manner. Right. Side B says, no, the sex is not good, but it's still okay to, to be have gay. a relationship. Yeah, it's yeah, okay yeah, to be yeah. gay. It's kind of the Catholic stance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. yeah. And then there's side X, which basically believes not okay to be gay, not okay to have sex. Right. And you should be praying for healing every day. I've stopped praying for that. I'm praying that that will happen along the path, right. that that you know that things will change in that way. But if not, so you're you're not a guy who thinks that it's not sin. No, 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 no. 
Uh, but what I'm, where I'm at is, and we should unpack that word too. But that's a, that's a, we'll, 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 get, we'll finish your thought. Oh God, so much I've even come to the point, first of all, that I'm okay. Right. That God, that there's nothing more to be forgiven of, or there, there may be later. But right now, I'm not junk. I'm not right. a sinner. Still, I'm yeah. not. I'm not. God doesn't love some future version of yeah, Randall he, he, Moore. Yeah, he likes me right where I'm at <laughs> right, now. Right. I think it's not only not a bad thing to have gay members. I think it's a gift to the church. Yeah. There are Amen. things that you can learn from gay people. Yeah. Not just, well, you're here and you're the sinner because you're gay and I'm here because my sense of God is much, much stronger. It's like, no, 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 there are things to learn here. Yeah. Um, how, how people have been hurt, how people, what people need in terms of that relationship uh, within members of the church that we just don't get because there's that sort of pariah thing yeah. that happens. And, and I gotta admit, even now, um, I look back at the friends that I made when I was at Mars Hill, and I, I am still blessed with people that are there for me. I mean, people who have moved to halfway across the country and who are there for me. And that happened because of, in the middle of, and even as it was being destroyed, Mars Hill. Wow. Because those relationships built on a spiritual level. Right. And by people who wanted to know more and who did not want to condemn and who wanted to bless. That's a lifetime. Right. And one of the things that's real that's and it's real, real. It's tangible very real yeah and these are people who who don't have ridiculous arguments with me right. but if they want to argue well, we can do so with respect to certain issues um and one of the th reasons that I looked so so hard um one of the things I was looking for when I became a Christian was love that wouldn't go away. What was that? Love that would not go away. Right. That would not let me down because, trust me, men will leave you cold every time. Right. Um, for me, it's a, the definition of, of love and affection. So yeah, yeah. people like, uh, like Bob Dylan says that love is fleeting or short-term or something like that. Like, that's affection. Yeah. That's not, love is something not else. Yeah. And part of that's our worldview. Yeah, curse the way we define love yeah. is the way I think the world define would define it as affection, right? Yeah, I think, and I think uh, there's a lot of confusion everywhere. It's not just in the, in the gay community, but there's a lot of it there too. And I just wanted that love that wouldn't go away, right? And disappointed by so many men, and it taught me to become better myself. Right. Yeah. So this has been seen as a a kind of us versus them, or going into again the the language of the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your your situation is is where people see you, they start to know your story, and and you become. And, and do you feel I don't know? There's a, there's this distrust that I've heard from folks from the LGBT community yeah. that that I'm once I. Once I come out, once I say who, what I actually desire or who I'm attracted to, I'm no longer a person, but I'm an issue. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I want 10,000 t-shirts, and I want to pass them on every corner up on Capitol Hill that just say, I am not an issue. 
And it comes to this thing where, where, and this is a lot of pastors, and this is a lot of people who don't understand that very basic thing in churches. It's like, well, we're talking about the gays. No. You're talking about people who are right now sitting in that auditorium listening to your sermon. Right. So when you go screeching on about gays in particular being an abomination, what do you do with the 12-year-old little girl who's just now beginning to discover that she has different feelings? Right. What are you doing with them? What are you doing with the... Is she going to run to God or from Him? Yeah, exactly. Because you're the one that's going to point her in one direction or the other. Right. And you got to be convincing. <laughs> um, I, I just think that's one of the biggest tragedies uh, in church these days is that we talk against it so much that we offer them no reason whatsoever to come to God except for judgment. Right. And continue with that community. Yeah. In that community of faith. Yeah. Like... So I'm going to be an outsider here? Is that what I'm signing up for? Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're all outsiders, it's like, man. It's like, come join the rest of the outsiders for a potluck, you know? Right. Um, Isn't that, like you said, it's not us versus them. Us is them. Us is them. Amen. And we That's got right. We, oh, oh, I'm going to preach on that one. Um, <laughs> right. Go for it. Yeah. Preach it, brother. It, it, oh, <laughs> don't get me started. Um... I mean, just the damage can be done so early, so often across a broad spectrum. And people have got to understand that there needs to be a different way. Have the courage and have the determination. If you want to make a sacrifice for God, sacrifice a minute or two of your own self-righteousness. Make an offer for dinner or a movie or a walk in the park. I don't care. And be with somebody. Yeah. Refuse to, to give part of this into, into part of this judgment. It's not, uh, uh, oh, 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 it's not part of the crazy. And you know what the crazy is? The crazy is when you hear this sermon that is so powerful about God's redemption, about God's desire for a relationship with you. And then you can see it in the eyes. And I call it the Fox News effect. Where they, all that, and go... I just think it's wrong to that says that we're approving homosexuality in the church, uh, right? And it doesn't get in. It doesn't get in. It doesn't get in. Yeah. You will know them by their fruit. Yeah. And it just it because the folks who who come out with that that kind of rhetoric they, they don't know what's going on in the heart of, yeah, the, of they, the ears listening. They have they're they're so aimed towards the evil. They're so aimed towards what they perceive as damage to the church. That damage to society. Damage to this is going to be a fad and everyone's going to want to go gay if we... That's right. That's right. They're so, they're so intent on that that, oh, he's just trying to trick me. He's just trying to deceive me. Right. It's like, no, I'm trying to help you see things differently. See things through your eyes. They walk a mile in your shoes. Yeah. I, I, oh, it's, it's the scariest thing to witness in people when they, they hear all the, the, you know, we can bring people to him instead of wake him and you explain things and they just, eh, no, you're trying to deceive me. And, oh, there's nothing you can do at that point except pray. Right. That's right. Uh, you're not going to win the argument. Yeah. And even if you do, you lose the battle. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know? and that's, that's to the point where you, you just, there's so much you can't do that you're just like, all right, the best I can do, the very best I can do is be faithful in prayer and continue to live life like I want them to see me. Um, 
Unpacking sin is something that I think is important in this conversation because people will say, okay, well, the church... I heard a guy who said, I don't believe in sin. And I said, well, you know, sin is... Sin is kind of like dysfunction. It's it's disorder. It's it's yeah. the, it's that shadow in the world. And he's like, well, I just don't believe in it. And I said, well, dude, if I punched you in the face and took your wallet, what is that? Is that just me being reacting, and you would understand? Or <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah. there's something wrong with that. There's yeah. something wrong with, with my desire to do that to you, isn't there? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know. I said that that's basically the the definition biblically of sin. And I think we. We run to therapists, and we run to professionals, and, and they've taken that word and just redefined it, like, like I say, as, as addiction, as disorder. As, oh, yeah, there's always a, a worldly name for it. Yeah, there's a, there's a whole DSM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and just saying that, that some people sin and some people don't, or you become a Christian and somehow you're washed of sin... That, being washed is not mean you're just going to be sinless. Yeah, like, I mean, well, some people actually believe that. The Bible's definition is just as simple as it can be. Do you know what? Do you know what the right thing to do is? Huh. You don't do it. That's it. Right. That's right. Period. End of story. Yeah. Uh, that's how I can get. Sometimes when my mind is not. Sometimes I have struggles with the A, the side A, the side B, and the side X sides. Because right. I'm like, no, no, it's a sin, but it's and it's like, well, they're not there yet on their journey to really, and they can see things that that they can argue for their position very well, and I just have to go, may grace abound here, because right. <laughs> uh, you know, he's he's right, he's he's not to the point where he knows what is right and not doing it, he's genuinely confused. Right. He hasn't taken a position yet because he's not there. Right. And sometimes we get so angry for other reasons and we take it out in this way. And it really does get, get complicated sometimes. You know, when people are faced with what God is asking of them eventually, right. it's a hard, hard thing. And it's like, and one of the biggest questions that ever gets asked is, I was born with this. I knew at age, and for me, I knew at about age seven right. that something was happening when Philip came out to the ranch. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had feelings and I had, I had strange things I didn't understand, but right. I knew about age seven. Wow. And people are like, so everything I've seen and felt and experienced up to this point is wrong, and I'm supposed to live without a wife, I'm supposed to live without, and there, there are a lot of sacrifices that are to be made. And how do you tell those people, yeah, because because many of the things you're going through are sinful. Right. And because that sin is worse than 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 Mike's sin, who got tired as of his fifty year old wife and, and he married a twenty seven year old. Yeah. But, but somehow that that's acceptable and he can live that lifestyle. And he can go to church and not be looked at sideways once. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It's it's it is hard because because those other explanations that people are always pounding, it makes the whole thing feel unreasonable. Right. And it's like, they will always feel it as unreasonable unless you give them the alternative. You know? And it's like, yeah, the sacrifice is huge. It's a big cross to carry. Right. You know what? 
God is worth it. Right. All the way worth it. And you don't have to be broken first, really, trust me. You don't have to be. It's like that rock bottom thing. You hear that in recovery a lot. Yeah. It's like rock bottom can always get rock bottom er. Yeah. I almost don't like that term. I mean, I get it why people use it. What's that expression? You hit bottom and then kept digging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Catching a falling piano. <laughs> you know. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, if God is not your common denominator, you're kind of in trouble. Yeah. All those relationships. Um, it's just, it's just the best success I have had in those relationships has been through the church. And yet it's the same thing right now because I've been hurt so many times that I, I still look at carefully. Yeah. There is a new church that has moved into the old Mars Hill building. Yeah, the Quest. Yeah, right? and I'm doing, I'm doing a little research trying to... Because they... Um, God, give him credit. Pastor Cho... And Dan Savage got into it. Oh, really? Yeah, and they printed it in <laughs> the newspaper, and it's like, okay, this is interesting. Um, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping to maybe go there soon. I'm, uh, I've seen some things that just make me think, oh man, do you not get it? <laughs> right. But you know, he's in process, just like everyone else. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping that's a good place to be. The same with me, you know dealing in the realm of, of addiction and compulsion behaviors that we don't necessarily like but that saddle us you know yeah. there, there's a whole kind of stigma to that that, that I'd like to, the church to see yeah. differently yeah, and it's absolutely. funny how LGBT and, and, and what I'm doing sort of have that same Stigma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, it's it's, um, it's like, but the, you know, and I think like the alcoholic, the drug addict, they're usually welcome. Like we get that. Yeah. But when it comes to issues of sexuality, the oh, way the interpretations people cling on to, with, I think for a lot of it is, oh, I can I can rag on you because you've got the one sin I know I won't be. Oh, hypocrite yeah. of, of yeah, I don't struggle with that. So yeah, I'm I don't okay struggle with, with so beating high. you up for it. Yeah, so you're a filthy target. Yeah, I'm still a filthy target, but you know, I'm still in process. <laughs> um, Me too. You know, I've got so many other things I can beat up about. That's right. Um, yeah, I guess I guess my goal is just to tell people more. Look, this is where it's at. Do you want to throw people? Out of the church and away from Christ and away from help and healing? Yeah. Or do you want to bring them in? Right. And it's like, well, we need a new program for that. We need to... No. You Go grab a cup yeah. of coffee. Exactly. It's not a new system. Yeah. Stop it. Like, yeah. there's, there's a relational paradigm going on here. And I think the church is almost habitually wants to run to some kind of curriculum or system... It's not, that's not what, like, you, let your heart actually like someone, you know? And people change when, when we change, when we can, I can sit here and, and have a conversation with you, you know, or, or anybody else. I mean, if you don't, as I heard one guy say that if you have, if you're angry towards a people group, go find three of those people, that whatever that people group is, and make friends with them. Yes. And see how you change. Yes. You know? Yeah, start to love the unlovable. Yeah. Or at least in your mind, unlovable. Um, Because <laughs> that's who, you know, if you look at the story of the gospel, that's who we are. That's 
getting down to things like total depravity, God loves us in our animal state without any borders or boundaries or... There is... Have you heard the name Kevin Swanson? No. This guy is a preacher. Three of the Republican candidates for president went to one of his... He had a... uh, He's just had a forum here recently. Uh, I use the word pastor very loosely here. Um, (laughs) Believes that all gays, there should be a period of repentance, and after that, all gays should be stoned. Wow. And three Republican candidates went to go hear him. Wow. We're talking approved genocide, basically, in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that's... Because they should... And they should be stoned. And he was talking about uh, gay marriage. And he says, you know what I would do? I wouldn't celebrate. I would stay outside of the church and I would cover myself with horse dung. And I'm like, well, you've kind of done that already <laughs> yeah, now. using your words to um, do that. But that's how bad it's become. Yeah. That, that candidates like that who is- want to be seen as religiously approved go to this. Yeah. That we're not interested in just in in trying to make contact and trying to love somebody and trying to hear what their lives are like and trying to hear what Jesus thinks of them and it's good it really is but but we're interested in killing people yeah and I'm like we're not interested in repentance we'll give them a token period but we're not interested and I'm like man this has got to change if that's not a red light towards you know, destruction. Yeah. And people don't understand that this this intensity, this this desire to to you know hurt this situation more, is just throwing people away from the church, not to it. Yeah, exactly. And that's... people run from God, not to Him. When when that God and that that God, His God, isn't isn't the God of the Bible. Yeah. Or the God of the Old Testament. But God became a man and walked among us kind of walked in the filth and the mud and loved people with a vengeance yeah and And he had the hardest time with those guys like that's if there's any any harsh words that Christ had for anybody it was the religious leaders it was the Pharisees it was these guys with the cold hearts and the and these attitudes these guys that thought themselves theologians but they piled on enough verse yeah to really did you know there's something really unique um it's called the clobber verses. The clobber There's a verses. list of like nine clobber verses. Right. That's like any time a Christian and a gay person meet, boom, here they come like rocks. Right. Did you know that six of the nine, if you keep reading down the chapter, lead you straight to God's grace? It's contextualization. It's, it is. It is. It's cherry-picked verses right. designed for a beating. Yeah. So I would tell every gay person I know, keep reading. Yeah. Keep reading. Go read them all. And Matthew twenty Matthew twenty three was a big one for me. When I saw that because I had such hard, harsh anger towards religion, towards oh, yeah. the church. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm sitting there in the pastor's <laughs> office and he's like he's like, Russ, you're I think you're not mad at God as much as you're mad at religion. And then he, he unpacked 
Matthew 23. Yeah. Where Jesus said exactly what you just said. You know, you, you, he's, he's uh, calling the, the Pharisees hypocrites. Yeah. And he's saying you pile on heavy burdens and loads and you don't lift a finger to help. You just watch them try and buckle under the weight. Right. You know, that kind of thing. You, you love to clean the outside of the cup. While the inside is rancid and filthy, you know you're a whitewashed tomb. I mean, it goes on and on. It is an all-out rant on that self-righteous religious attitude. The friends that I mentioned that I really have now still and, and strong have shown me the difference between the Pharisees and boys with books. I right. call them boys. With I books. can tell the 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 guys who who like to argue. Um, religion and have all the chapters and verses and give you the context and the social, the social history of the the verses. Right. And yet, <laughs> your burdens always seem to be ten times heavier than when you started. Right. My other friends can say, "Well, I know these chapters, but here's what I know is the truth." And you walk away lighter. You will know them by their fruits, and that applies to this as well. Yeah. I have friends who just give me the biblical context, and it's, it, I feel released afterwards. Right. Um, I don't want to be the boy with the book and the verses. Yeah. I really don't. My Bible's my, not a, a weapon. Yeah, and my whole goal is to just tell my story, tell what finally has led me to this piece. Right. And, and just to see other people in that position too. It's like, yeah, you're gay. Great. But, <laughs> you know, other than that, right. uh, let's, it, let's have a conversation. About I should back up. I, I said that the Bible wasn't a weapon. The Bible will say that the Word is a weapon, but it cuts me open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, it it, it fillets me. Well, when we start judging the other person for yeah. their... Because there's always the other. There's another in every situation. And, and for the LGBT community, you guys have been the other that seems to be socially acceptable by religious people to beat up on. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, I keep sitting here thinking, what would I want to make sure other gay people know who have had this this battle with religion, but not necessarily God? Your your faith should not be a matter of other people, right? What other and, people think. And it really, I hate to say this, but even though I think being in a church is critically important, your faith shouldn't depend on that either, right? Otherwise, the people from you know who are because it's so, full of people. It's full of people. Yeah, for crying out loud, angry and. It should, your face should be between you, God, and the Bible. Yeah. And I, you know, if you've got an opinion about my faith, that's great. But you know, God and I have already had a vote, and it's over. So right. You know, it's <laughs> it's it that's should good. remain in a, in a way private and in a way to meant to encourage others. Yeah. You know, it's possible. It's really possible. It's healthy. There is so much more love and there is so much more healing available right. in this direction. And, you know, for people who have been brutalized at churches, I am just sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. We, There are people who are learning. It's getting better in some ways. It's getting disastrous in others. I'm learning. 
you know, yeah. I'm learning through this process. Um, I'll, I'll say that. I'm, and I'm not an expert. You know, that's something I, I've said constantly on this podcast. Is I'm just a, I'm just a cat who who likes you know rock and punk music who mm-hmm. blabs into a microphone about my story and, <laughs> and others. You know, I'm not the guy that, that you know writes the the paper and, and yeah. graduated in you know magna cum laude yeah. mocha or or leader what who, what <laughs> yeah leader yeah well, you start saying leader to me and I'm like you know let's follow Jesus yeah I don't follow me because I, I don't you know I, I just tell stories and I try and try and gain truth but I'm like the guy outside who's got those big arrows that they wave you know store going out of business it's like <laughs> try Jesus don't look at me I lost two <laughs> right. right one of the things I wanted to bring up speaking of experts um, there's a man named Alan Chambers who and, and I talked about Exodus International mm-hmm. early in the podcast I've had people you know well, I struggle with this what, what do I do and I'm like well there's this Exodus International like I don't know so I'm kind of I said that you know um, the leader of that organization said I'm sorry mm-hmm. and he closed the organization yeah shocked a lot of people yeah and, and here's a guy. So, here's been here's been the rebuttal by some Christians to that. They were like, "Well, he just wants to sell more books." Like, are you kidding me? Why would he do that? Wouldn't he sell more books if he's going to reel and rile against it? You know? Oh well, public public pressures changed. Not in the church, it hasn't. You know, this man's a Christian. Well, we know about the the consistency and the the moral consistency of publishers, anyway. Um, <laughs> Not right. pinning that on anyone in particular, but <laughs> right. um, but that's something that he said. So, yeah, some of the things he said were he said, "I'm sorry." This is this is uh, Alan Chambers quoted directly. He says uh, to the gay community, "I'm sorry I didn't stand up to the publicly to the people on my side who called you names like sodomite or worse. Um, I apologize for my part." Um, of ignorance and, and the perpetrating hurt on other people. Um, more than anything, I'm sorry that so many have interpreted this religious rejection by Christians as God's rejection. Oh, yeah. yeah. I am profoundly sorry that many have walked away from their faith and some have chosen even to take their own lives. Um, I wanted to read for, for listeners, because there's some out there who are going to be like, oh, you're you're just justifying Russ, or you're going with the social climate, you're just going where the wind blows you. It's hard to let go of that. Yeah, those guys are out there, and they're listening, and they're, maybe some of them are thinking that. Uh, I just want to read some statistics by an organization called the Trevor Project. Oh, yeah. The Trevor Project started as a, a short film uh, about a, a 13-year-old kid who, LGBT kid who is bullied and, and, and ends up contemplating taking his own life. And this film it won an award and it created, I mean, the, the backlash and the stories and the people that this film touched. Um, it started a, it started a non-profit. So a non-profit organization started because these people, this, they just told this kid's story. Um, but here's some, some stats from that organization. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among young people ages 10 to uh, 24. LGBT youth are four times more likely and questioning youth are three times more likely to attempt suicide than their straight peers. And that's real. I'll let that soak in a minute. 
suicide attempts by LGBT youth and questioning youth are four to six times more likely to result in injury, poisoning, overdose uh, that requires treatment from a doctor or a nurse compared to their straight peers. Nearly half of young transgendered people have seriously thought about taking their lives and one quarter of them report to have made a suicide attempt. And then when you add the murder rate to right. transgender teens, that uh, the homeless I, uh, rate, the homeless rate added on to that too. It, it, uh, what we're doing to children, uh, God, we. Each episode of LGBT victimization, such as physical, verbal, harassment, or abuse, increases the likelihood of self-harming by an average of 2 to 0.5 times on average. So kids that are bullied... Yeah, tell people they're garbage long enough and they'll begin to believe, believe it. it. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, so again, I'm not the expert. Yeah, but... When but they- here's... Here's some experts, all right. And for those who may think that I'm just pulling, pulling these uh, these stats out of my out of my butt, um, here's here's some of the the sources for that for you. Um, the CDC, Sexual Identity, uh, Sexual Context, Risk Behavior. Uh, these are all studies that have been done. Uh, Grossman, transgender youth and life-threatening behaviors. Uh, I mean, I could go on and on. The Family Acceptance Project. Uh, again, CDC. Uh, research from 2011, 2010, 2013. Uh, these are real numbers, real statistics, but they're not just statistics, Randall, are they? It's the, no, it's it's very true. Take take the sexuality out of it. If you just take a normal, living human, thinking, feeling human, and just start berating them for everything they do or everything they are, yeah, this is the outcome. Yeah, this is the outcome, and. Is that bringing these kids to Jesus, where they could find help right. and healing and love that they're searching for? Yeah, no, it's not. What the what the people are doing who who contribute to this sort of stuff is basically sending these kids straight to hell. Yeah, it's it's, it's doing the work of the devil himself. It is. It you is. know, don't we can't pussyfoot around that. Right. Um, I just. I oh I just think about what heaven is gonna be like and these people are gonna go up and it's like, well I'm ready for my reward. It's like ooh, bad news. Right. Um, these are the people that you hurt. I don't have any delusion that there may not be people who I have hurt that badly in my life where I've I've made some stupid comment or some ridiculous thing that I had done that hurt somebody that, that pushed them away instead of toward Jesus. I am not that person, I, right. I, there could be, but to make that a lifestyle, do you, I just want to say, do you really understand what you're doing? Right. And oh, and this is the one I get when I say, are you, are you loving them at all? And the pushback I get is, well, you know, sometimes love means having to say the really hard things. Yeah. And I'm like, where is that? That's not the default setting of the gospel. Right. That's not. There's a reason it's called. And sometimes there's some truth to that, but. It's in relationship. Yeah, like absolutely. If I don't trust absolutely. you, I don't give a shit what you say. <laughs> exactly. You're just an asshole who you that's judging me, and that that even rises me up to the point where you know, I <laughs> I even want to reject that more. And then I put the whole class of people, you know, in that place. Well, what and you've that done? Was the angry me. Yeah, uh, oh, I'm 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 with you. I understand right. that. What, but what happens in reverse is that the discrimination on the gay side of things happens, and you're like, oh. 
Oh, okay. Uh, the Westboro Baptist Church. That you must be happy there. Go, go. Yeah, and, and, and that's an extreme. The hearing gets off. Right. They don't know that. Right. A lot of people don't know that. Right. It's and true. it's like it's like uh, there are people who very fully well believe that this is what religion has come to. Yeah. And again, it's like, well, we look at the news and who's filtering that? Yeah. But there are people that that just put all religion under that label, and yeah. you you the only thing you can do is aim for a relationship. Yeah. And and just love people the best you can right where they're at. Yeah, because uh, none of us are getting out of this thing alive. No, no. <laughs> There's some of the uh, some of the interpretations of the Bible that I know people are going to be thinking about, and they're going to bring up, you know, like you were saying, the the beat, beat the clobber verses, clobber verses, right? And, and one of them, like you were saying, was was the one where, and I and I've had this a lot with emails and stuff. Um, the Bible says you're not even supposed to break bread with that person. Oh. So now we're there's a whole situation going on in the Corinthian church. There's a list, you know, and homosexuals are on that list. So are idolaters. So are I mean there's a whole ton of different lists of sins that all God of us hates the following. That, that all of us are guilty of. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, some of these this one in particular, though, is one I, I had to, to get into because a lot of folks will skip that part, right? Yeah. They'll go to the uh, don't break bread with that person part, but they'll skip this part. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. There we go. You know? Because that, that attitude of self-righteousness is, is sort of like that yeast rising in a group of people, it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly, yep. And I it, like you that. just get blind to it, and yeah. it just becomes, they're no longer, you know, the other, whoever they are, are no longer people. Um, I've had to learn to warm up Randall, too, to the self-righteous religious, you know. I had, a, I had a moment where I felt like I was in prayer, and it was like the Spirit was saying that. Okay, there was another guy. I'll give him a shout-out, uh, Eli, who did a podcast called WTFWJD. <laughs> it, was, it was called What the Fuck Was Jesus Doing, right, is the acronym. So it was, and it was a great podcast, but at the beginning of it, he said, I know that you, a lot of Christians are going to have a hard time with me. And he's like, here, I'll save you a bunch of time. Just turn it off. <laughs> turn off the podcast and go listen to Pat Robertson or, or Huckabee or something. Just turn it off. And I was starting to gain that attitude. And it was like the Spirit said to me once, Russ, those guys are listening too. And they're struggling too. And prison um, for the sex addict... For someone who's struggling with compulsive sexual behavior, whether they're gay, straight, bi, I mean, that kind of risky behavior, it's its not good. There's nothing, there's no life in it. And that's what, you, you see people who just shipwreck their lives, looking for God at the, you know, at the end of a bottle, whatever yeah, it is. Or, well, we've got, we've got a new conversation showing up in this community, and that's over... A uh, drug called Truvada. Truvada. Truvada is considered it's uh, uh, an antiviral protection. So if you want to go out and 
you know, condoms aren't your thing, you get loaded up on this for a couple of weeks and you can go out and have unprotected sex with a very high level of certainty that you won't get HIV if it's transmitted. Uh, Every other uh, STD is certainly game, but not this one. Right. And what's what's interesting, I, I think, in the conversations, is that there's even some judgment here too. Like if it's like, well, yeah, I went through this period and I had Truvada for a couple months and then I got it out of my system. Right. And you're like, okay, so you're no longer a slut then, right. because you know. Um, and you know, there's that old definition of you know what's a slut? Someone who's having more and better sex than you are. <laughs> um, but but there's a little a little shaming going on, and yeah. it's like and it's like oh, but no, don't all gays do that? No, no, no. Yeah. There's there's it's uh, a small percentage. Yeah, and it's, it's a very and it's a but it's a very intense argument right now. Yeah. Um, and I, it's and just calling people, shaming people over it isn't helping. It's making the problem worse. Well, no, and you want to go? Excuse me. Isn't this the kind of thing that you get PO'd about the churches doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, quit it. Yeah. Um, but it's it's um, it's just another thing of well, if you can't find what you're looking for, then manipulate the system so you've got some you know protection against any bad consequences. Right. And go out and try again. And it's like uh, no, you need to stop doing it. Right. You know to begin with. Um, I met a woman who, uh, I'm an Uber driver now, it's my, my job, I pay the bills, Uber and Lyft, and I met a woman who, that was her job, was dealing with infectious diseases, you know, all of the world, and she was talking about, and she goes, especially ones of a sexual nature, and I'm like, well, that's interesting, and she was unpacking hepatitis, and this is something that I heard, when I, when I confessed how bad it got for me, um, that was one of the first things the doctor did. They, they did an AIDS test, yeah. and then the next one was hepatitis. So that's one that isn't widely known, but hepatitis is a sexual transmitted disease, yeah. and it kills way more people than AIDS, oh, yeah. especially today. So I guess the number of hep C cases are going way up. Yeah. It's like, excuse me, there really isn't a cure for that. Yeah. And it is oral. Like, sorry, all the people that say that that's not sex. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's transmitted that way, too. So, you know, but that's my drive for doing this. It's always been my drive for doing this podcast is that whether someone's straight, bi, gay, um, if you have a problem with that kind of compulsion, I've been through that. And, I, and I'm here to tell my story and, and hopefully point in a direction of healing and hope. Yeah, that's that's the ultimate goal is to, you know, there is a way out of this. Yeah. There really is. And it's a much better life without it. We talked a little bit about, about our faith and the difference between our faith and kind of works-based sort of religion mm-hmm. and, and who, who Jesus is at the end of our our rope, you know, at the end of it all. Um, how is it? How is your relationship with, with Jesus? Oh, so much better. Been through this this process because it's not just you know. I mean, you are you're in a wheelchair now, yeah. um, so it's it's been a suffering since. Oh, uh, the health, the finances, uh, to be on welfare. Uh, I don't care what senators say, there are no $16 pound king crab legs on my plate. Right. Um, <laughs> the finances are brutal. Really, really brutal. Uh, 
if you're involved in the medical system at all, uh, there are things that I need that I can't get coverage for. Wow. Doctors approve, but they just won't spend the money. Right. It is brutal. It is horrible. But I tell you, I have this, whenever this is bad, I, I have all God's promises to the poor, all written out by longhand, right. like right there. Um, and I just have this image that comforts me in, in my head, and he brings that back every time. Just Father God being standing, being enormous, being powerful, and I've got this little spot right under the left wing. Right. And it's dark, and it's quiet, and it's comfortable in there, and I'm protected. And that's what it's been. Uh, and you feel that. And I feel and that. I feel real, protected. And every time I get overwhelmed by the world, and it's a lot being in this position, because it's like, well, I've got several crosses, Gary. Um, right. But every time I get overwhelmed with it, I have a hiding place. And I have a God that has made promises and keeps them. Right. Sometimes, there are times that like, like, like a bill comes up, and I'm like, I have no way to do this. No way at all. And the money comes. Right. I can pray and say, Lord, it's been a while since I've done anything fun. Or, Lord, I, I, I hate to be feeling greedy about asking this, but I need a break. I need to go on vacation. I need something fun. Fulfilled. Fulfilled. Wow. He watches out for my heart. Right. And that's the part that you can get awfully mangled. This this stuff gets so tiring after the longest time. Right. And it's like, uh, God, do something, please help. Never, 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 ever failed me. And the Mott has this um, thing where she talks about her inbox to God. Um, and yeah, sometimes I actually have to write it down. Uh-huh. And just put it in a little place, and that's my God's inbox. Right. Um, but he he never said no. He said later. He said wait. But he's always been there. Uh, the needs are met, and sometimes the wants. And that gives me a base to do more. That gives me a confidence and a security in him where I can trust him with all sorts of things. And it's like, well... This is making me nervous. I'm losing sleep, but you've never let me down yet. Right. So I trust you're you. Trust. I trust you. Yeah. I'm gonna wet my pants from here till next Tuesday, but I'm gonna trust you. <laughs> right. And all of the things that I have gone through, I'm actually now thankful for because it's brought me to a place of peace. Right. It's like no, I am loved. I am loved, and there's nothing that can convince me otherwise. And if you have that, you can stand. It's true. You can stand to try all sorts of things. There's that light in the darkness, you know. Yeah. It reminds me of it reminds me of Christmas. I think it was Steve Tompkins, who another Mars Hill guy who preached a sermon, and I think it was a copy of a really old sermon that somebody preached <laughs> a long, long time ago. But it talked about how Jesus probably wasn't born in the winter in December. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, this was something that was set up by. It, you know the pagan holiday of you know yeah we were mad at the pagans it's not too much about Jesus right but the cool metaphor in that is that the solstice the winter solstice is the coldest and darkest time here in Seattle as it probably was in northern Europe when they decided to <laughs> to choose that date 
And that's what's been beautiful for my faith as well, is that when it's, when it's coldest and darkest, Christ has been that light. Exactly. And that's not, and that's not some ideology. It's not because we're stupid and we believe some lie. It's, it's real. It, you know, my, my head spins when, when people think that. Because I was rebellious running in the <laughs> yeah. whole other direction, you know? And something got a hold of me. And, and it was that light in the darkest and coldest time, you know? When I wanted to either end my own life or watch the world burn, you know, that's where, that's where Christ met me. There's a lot of people that are, that are kind of in that position, I think scared too. It's like, it seems that everybody has this knowledge that the world is getting worse fast and right. not better. You just want to tell people, no, 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 he got me totally in his arms and I'm fine. And yeah, some bad stuff's going to happen, but he's got this. See, I've read the end of the screenplay. I've read the end of the Bible. Right. And he comes out on top. Yeah. So it's okay. The movie will end well. Yeah. Uh, but so many people have not gone through that testing who have barely gotten to the point where they can trust him to oversee a day, let alone, you know, the end of all things. Right. And that's another thing that, oh, man, I mean, I... <laughs> I've been watching the debates, and i got to tell you, it's like, yeah, if that's what my faith was based on, I'd be in a world of hurt right now. <laughs> that's right. Hey. Um, and I think that's what, because my, you know, I look at that, and part of my worries are, we're watching the worst behavior sinful humans can generate right yeah. now. Yeah. And it's like, is this going to spread? Is this going to continue to infect people? Will I, as a Christian, get... Get actual true persecution out of this? Why, as as a gay person, will it get worse? Because right. remember, the gays got uh, the yellow stars too. Right. So we we know persecution as well. But I, I look at all this and it's like, yeah, if I didn't have the confidence of having the little things handled and handled so well, and just enough, just enough to keep my eyes looking up instead of at this stuff. I would be terrified, but I'm not because I have that, because I have that confidence. Man, I'm just, I'm grateful that people listen to this podcast and at least get some idea that, that, that God is trustworthy where people in churches and dogma and bad theology are not. There goes Randall Chrisman. That will be part one of this conversation, part two at a later date, um, hopefully soon, maybe after Christmas. Have a great uh, Christmas season. Happy holidays. All of that, right? Um, Prayers that we could push back some of the frustration, broken relationships. um, As we see all the colorful lights and the, the light that busts through the darkness, right? The, the warms some of the cold that we could have that approach towards other people this season is a spiritual kind of my my adult christmas card to you that we would have the courage and faith to approach the season with a different kind of energy that maybe we could pick up the phone and and, and call someone we haven't spoken to in a long time with a with a new spirit 
of of letting some light shine out instead of a, a spirit of resistance and anger and I, I just felt led to say that and, and to leave this show kind of with the end of the, the song I started with. Um, the giving, you know, Bible says Jesus is going to say that giving is better than receiving. And you hear that around Christmas time. But what if we could do that with our, our spirit? What if we could give ourselves away? What if we could, instead of being resistant to some of those who we're mad at or who are mad at us, we could start the, the small, incremental process, the spark of love. As we push back all the negative and critical thoughts, the, the little jokey criticisms that can rise up in the mind, all of the things that try and suppress us shining that light from within as we give ourselves away. Love you guys. I do mean that sincerely. Till next time. <laughs>